Metricast. What does filmed for IMAX mean? It isn't just a movie that'll look great on IMAX's screens. It means that hiding from a sandstorm feels like fear in every flicker. And every triumph is felt in every sound wave. And the things we've only imagined, you can truly experience those too. That's what filmed for IMAX means. Get tickets to experience Dune Part 2 now and IMAX's exclusive expanded aspect ratio. Hold on to your butts. We are changing the course of history as we see it. That is what Westbeth demands. Now this affects Iris. Um, Iris, where are you? What you feel only matters to you. I do not entertain hypotheticals. The world as it is is vexing enough. Iris, I have a tip for you. Don't take drugs! Or whatever movies with Wesley and Iris. What up? And welcome to Or Whatever Movies. I'm your co-host, Iris, and I'm here with my older brother, Wesley. And today we're discussing a long-awaited movie, Capping 2022, James Cameron's Piranha 3, Avatars of the Titanic Abyss. (laughs) That's so true, though. This is really like a James Cameron mashup. The filmmaking techniques, the passions of of James Cameron come to the fore and to the surface in (laughs) Avatar Way of Water. It couldn't be anyone but James Cameron because no one else is capable of this level of fearless innovation. He's like Mm. the Tom Cruise of water movies. (laughs) What does that mean? Or is that just your compulsory Top Gun Maverick reference? No, I I actually have another one of those. But no, James Cameron in his older kind of more technical way is equally just like i don't know we're gonna do it and he'll like do stuff that's never been done before and they're like is it gonna work and he's like i don't know but we'll keep doing it until we get to like the part that doesn't work and then we'll focus on the part that doesn't work and make it work yep so avatar at the time of this episode's recording five days into its theatrical release 441 million in global box office is that it Global box office. <laughs> Is that it? Well, look, you know, I do think that they were tracking for like 525, which maybe in the seven in the total seven day opening week, they might still reach. But 441 million in one basically weekend. Yeah. That's insane. No, I did hear that it was on track to earn just below expectations. But mm. expectations and profitability are two different things. I read somewhere that worldwide, this thing's got to crack two billion just to break even. And as we all know, Fox slash now Disney is not in the break even, let's keep everybody working business. They're definitely in the money making business. Yeah, but also you have to recognize we're talking only about theatrical box office. Now, I think they'll be able to assign some subscription to Disney Plus with the release on Disney Plus of the second Avatar. Also, it's a fully formed franchise now. I spent a whole day at Disney World's Animal Kingdom slash Pandora and Paloma bought her Banshee magnet and Bean bought her baby, I don't even know what blue animal it is, stuffy. (laughs) And we had popping boba avatar themed drinks and we went on avatar themed rides. We rode the Banshee ride. It was a kind of ironically, it was a three and a half hour wait. So it's like you could have watched the whole Avatar while in line to ride this three-minute ride. Which they should do. Play it in the queue. And it's a whole immersive franchise now that's going to be making, raking it in for years to come. Did you actually revisit Avatar in full 
before Avatar Way of Water? So we went to Pandora at Disney's Animal Kingdom. We came back, we watched the original Avatar with Paloma, and then Brian and I went to go see Way of Water. I'm just saying, like, we kind of knew what this was going to be. And when I heard that the second Avatar was water-themed, I was like, well, obviously, James Cameron. (laughs) But uh, it it was kind of a pivot because we didn't, we were in Pandora proper. And as much as we set up everybody again, Quaritch and Kiri or Grace, you know, Sigourney Weaver's character, none of the Na'vi stuff was kind of revisited. What happened after the home tree debacle, right? Do the mm. sky people still care about the unobtainium? Uh, what mm. They're just leaving the tree of souls behind. It's like, hi, mom. Sorry that dad died. I'm going to take his bow, though, and we're going to peace out because we're water people now. And mm-hmm. we fully like peace out. after like 45 minutes in a requisite battle. Then we're in water territory. And it's like, wow, mm-hmm. like massive shift. Yeah. They didn't exactly make it clear that you could divest yourself of the Taruk Makto label. Like, aren't you always Taruk Makto? But no, he died and then he and then they left. And then we're not only are we firmly planted in this new water world, but it looks like they're water people now and will be for the next three episodes. There was a percentage base. This one was like 60%. Next one will be 30%. Subsequent one will be like 15%. So we're going to get less water heavy, but uh, definitely that was the prevalent theme in this one. I do feel like the drastic turns in this movie were a little bit blink and you miss it. Because I was like, wait, so he's Turok Makto. And then who died? Did the did the Turok, did the creature die? thus relieving the Makto of his burden or whatever, or of his title. Are you talking about the dragon itself? What happened? Because he was back on his like little banshee when they went, when they right. left. Come on, it's an Ikran. Have some respect. <laughs> you sound like Paloma. <laughs> uh, she always corrects me. She's like, it's Ikran, mom. It, okay. It's kind of strange. You see Zoe Saldana talking in interviews. She'll lapse into what seems like a respectful Navi accent when she's talking about these things. She talks about the Ikran and Neytiri and, and all this stuff. And it's like, not real. It's not real. You can say Neytiri or whatever. <laughs> and she puts like the glottal stop in Natvi that uh, not that me. is not necessary because it's not real. But there's like a deep respect for the yes. world, I, I guess. Yeah, no, this is serious business. I learned also that the costumes are all drawn from indigenous people's research and that each costume is handcrafted and extremely detailed front and back and worn by each of the actors in their motion capture performances. Man. Like those aren't just CG. Those are all physical wardrobe pieces that they can interact with and this stuff is they take this seriously yeah because there's no precedent there's no warehouse that has oh you're going to make an avatar movie we got a warehouse full of stuff they have to create all this stuff from scratch and yes it's good and bad because i remember avatar drew a lot of criticism for being very similar in a lot of respects to dances with wolves and the the foreignness the alienness of the navi people particularly of the water clan whose name i don't recall but were very clearly based as the original navi that we saw in the original avatar were native americans indigenous peoples based these were maori 
the even the markings on their skin were very reminiscent of Maori culture and the costumes that you're talking about Cliff Curtis uh, one of my favorite character actors was the very prominent lead Maori uh, the head chieftain or whatever husband to the Kate Winslet character who I thought was a little bit underutilized by the way mm-hmm. like Kate Agreed. Winslet is coming back in the James Cameron movie and she does kind of a funny accent and they're like she did all her underwater stunts herself and I was like what which, underwater which ones? stunts exactly which ones what performance in way of water would require kate winslet to hold her breath for seven minutes right and i thought she was like in james cameron true fashion 30 feet down right with a thing and a team of safety divers around her and she's like struggling and gasping and leaping to the surface or whatever and getting the bends no on set she dunked her head face down in a tank and then held her breath for like go went into a trance and held her breath for seven minutes, it wasn't as quite as dramatic as you think. Oh, so it wasn't even in performance. It was no. just like to break a record? That's what I'm saying. I don't really remember Kate Winslet's underwater scenes. I'm sure they were all in mm-hmm. the water at one point. And here's the, like, I don't want to be like racist or whatever, but I was like a beat behind in, whenever it was a Navi would appear on the screen, I was like, okay, which one is that? Right. Got it. And I'm not sure that in a James Cameron movie, you can afford to be a beat behind every time they cut between characters. They all looked Mm. very similar. Quaritch looked just like Jake and maybe not exactly right, but you got to orient yourself. And the the fact that they were all Navi this time around, except Cockroach, was like kind of confusing. Are you saying, you mean spider, are you saying that you don't want to be racist, but all people, all blue people look alike? A little bit. And you can't be like, no, 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 those, the water ones were the lighter blue people. You can't like use skin tone as an excuse, but it's kind of what they did. I don't know. It was difficult for me. I couldn't tell the kids apart. It made me not care about the kids. Mm, That's dangerous because the kids play a pretty big role in this. Never put kids in your movies. They drag it down. James Cameron's going to be like, nope, four of them. (laughs) The kids sure are stupid. And so I went to the bathroom, as you have to do. James Cameron, by the way, mentioned his preferred part, his recommendation for when you're supposed to go to the bathroom, which you're going to have to do during Avatar The Way of Water's three-hour, ten-minute runtime. Do you know when that was, when he said that was? No, tell me. Anywhere you want, because it won't matter, because you'll see that scene again the next time you go and see his movie. Wow, that is true, James Cameron. Kelly went to the bathroom, so I focused. I got to remember exactly what happens so I can tell her what happens when she comes back. So the dude, he comes back after his whale excursion when he meets Free Willy, and then he... Cliff Curtis is like, my son should know better to take him beyond the reef. And then he says, no, it was my idea, really, truly. And then like lighter skin kid is like, why did you stand up for me? And he's like, because I know what it's like to be a disappointment to your parents. You know what I mean? And so Kelly mm-hmm. got back and I recounted all that stuff and how about the, how mm-hmm. the whale is like the outcast and, and an accused murderer and stuff. And then mm-hmm. I don't think we ever saw that kid again. Like we got through the Cobra <laughs> Kai drama of the the teenagers having their little beef or whatever, and then did that did that other kid, the son of the chieftain, ever play? He never played a significant role in the movie, right? He wasn't one of the handcuffed oh, kids or whatever. Flat top, yeah, he kind of goes away. Yeah, Kate Winslet kind of goes away, and they're like, "We're gonna do the thing," and she's probably back at the thing. And even then, I was like, "Where's Nateri?" And then she flew in on her e-crown and. Kelly Ray was like, there she is. But it was vast and sprawling. And I'm not sure he gave everybody an Avengers level amount of appropriate screen time. 
They're like, mm. why is it t- three hours, 10 minutes? And he said, because this is much more family-based. It's much more character development. And there's a larger cast. And I'm not sure in this case that was a good thing. So James Cameron did need to be a bit discerning. And the, mo- and the movie got, in my opinion, much more focused after the whale attack on the, the fishing boat. And that's when it really becomes centered around the Sully family again, which it was no surprise to me that that, that was going to happen because the theme of Sully stick together was established pretty early on. But once the kids get cuffed, the whale attacks, which was awesome, it becomes a little redundant with the cuffing and the going back on the ship and the leaving of the ship and the going back on the ship and, the, <laughs> and then the ship sinking. But it, I think the movie achieved some much needed focus there at the end. Yeah, you know how there's audience interactions and stuff and you can tell <laughs> there were two vis- like audible audience reactions that I could tell. When they showed the green screen ahead of a trailer, like this trailer is approved for all audiences and it was <laughs> in 3D. And the second one was when Carrie was like, I got tied up again. And yeah. people went, ah. and I was like, right, but that's kind of a way to explain how many times was he like, you come on your own, Jake Sully, or your kids oh my die. Goodness. I did it like three times. and He did that three times. And also, how many times did he give the kids the reprimand? Right. The, it was like Jake Sully was just a long-suffering disciplinarian dad. Right? That's what it's like, like to be a dad. Six or seven times. And, uh, and and you can't be the court style dad where you just like cast off your kid and then like handcuff the kids to the rail so they don't cause trouble. But they he handcuffed him and then Jake Sully was supposed to come on his own or the kids die. And then they were like, attack after the uh, after the whale or whatever. And at that point, it was clear Jake wasn't going to play ball. So you immediately kill the kids. Right. He didn't. He went off to fight and the kids were like left alone to be rescued. And they're like, you're here. You saved us or whatever. It was very weird. And then they were caught and handcuffed again. It's like, Mm -hmm. I don't know what to do because I got to go work on this fight scene now or whatever. What happened to the kids? They're I don't know. They're still handcuffed again. Okay, we'll put in a line about the fact that they're handcuffed again and how whack that is. Yeah. If we're just self-aware about it, then it somehow excuses it. Yep. Uh, similarly, the Kiri line got the same same reaction. And then there was also the gasp at the very beginning when in the first shot, there's like some Pandora like vine all hanging out 3D style. Yeah, yeah, it was like right in the foreground, immediate foreground as we're panning through Pandora. Exactly. And everyone was like, <gasps> you know, a strange thing happened in the, the sort of I mean, because look, undoubtedly it was gorgeous. And you watch the credits. And there's the sea creatures floating around, like uh, Finding Nemo style. And they were all fake. But in a way, like I felt like I landed in Pandora and squarely felt at home. I wasn't like this magical new realm because the first time it was and you're like wow bioluminescence and the all the crazy creatures and the sound and at nighttime everything is glowing and stuff pandora looks nothing like earth but in a way this side of pandora the watery part looks kind of like the water it looks like earth and there were some modifications to the marine life and the marine foliage or whatever But in a way, it was like soul. Remember when I said soul, like they made such advancements in the Mm. photorealism of environments specifically that it almost didn't try. Like I forgot to be impressed because it looked real. Mm -hmm. Like I was underwater and I was like, I had to remind myself that whale thing is not a real whale thing. It's got too many Mm. dorsal fins and junk and 
the creatures, I had to remind myself that is a visual achievement that completely like I've become so accustomed to that I forgot to be impressed. And it sounds like this is a good thing because you weren't out of it and thinking about the fact that these things weren't real. It was and it wasn't kind of the only scene in this movie that had the creatures versus the humans in practical boats launching off of practical military ships or whatever, mm-hmm. right? And yeah. uh, and then I was like, oh, I can see the scale and stuff. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Life is hard, but finding a really great podcast makes the days go by so much easier. Hi, my name is Blue Tulusma. I'm a writer, an emotional intelligence coach, and the host of Humanize with Blue Tulusma, a podcast where we believe that when you humanize everyone in the room, a great conversation is almost guaranteed. Join us every week here on ElectroCast as me and my guest co-hosts unpack big topics and interview even bigger personalities with a sense of humor and a dash of mischief. If you're looking for a new best friend in your head, we've got you covered. ElectroCast. Yeah, and so we'd seen James Cameron sink a ship. We've seen humans operate the mechs. In both Aliens and in Avatar. But I thought that the crab mechs were pretty cool. Oh, it was the best. It was my favorite part. The Crabageddons. They were very much <laughs> like the Abyss. And they, they were the little cockpit and they had the little appendages and stuff. But they were like Pinocchio level spidery and very mm-hmm. scary. Very cool. Very cool. Very important that we have some familiar things that are built upon and made look cool. And I think that that was one of Avatar's real strengths. Did you feel like the new Fountain of Youth serum thing was just another, was just a retread of Unobtainium? Absolutely. Or did you feel like it moved it forward? It was the basis for the commercialization or whatever of the of the plundering of Pandora, just in the sea sense. They only focused on it once. We never cared or saw it again. It was justification for those dudes to be on board where Quaritch commandeered their ships and some of their equipment or whatever. But yeah, Mm -hmm. I didn't really track as being heavy. It seems like as expansive as it got and much more sprawling, it loses a little bit of the focus. Yeah, the mission was just, it was definitely an indirect way to draw Sully out, although it does succeed with drawing out his kiddos. It was just a long setup for the new resource that's worth, you know, 80 million an ounce or whatever back on Earth, but also to set up the whole dynamic with the whale creatures who are peace-loving and non-violent and also a, a kind of metaphor for rhinos and elephants who are slaughtered just for ivory or a small part of their resource and you know it's like a huge waste and all that but it kind of pays off because I definitely think that the whale the set piece with the whale on the ship was the best set piece of the film and it also got the biggest audience reaction in my screening when when the new Giovanni Ribisi loses his arm yeah (laughs) oh my 
gosh, everyone went crazy. And it was like so gruesome. This arm like fleeing through the air and then falling <laughs> into the water and everyone was cheering and clapping. And I was like, ooh, really? like, why are we, why are we cheering about this? And then Brian, I'm not sure if you caught this, but then Brian clarified for me, it was an arm for an arm. Arm for an arm. Man, you have to pay attention to the plight of that particular whale thing for that to be justified. Um, <laughs> dead silence in my audience. Really? Okay. Could you, were you able to take Spider seriously? <laughs> no. He looked silly. He definitely looked like he smelled bad. And he was like, I identify as Navi. And so he like would paint his body and stuff. He was silly. But he definitely was like the kid of a military guy all, all whatever all acting out all rebellious his, yeah hippie dreadlocks and stuff it was yeah. very hard to take him because he's so bitty and so scrawny i was so distracted by those upper thighs i thought he had a pretty convincing performance considering he probably felt ridiculous the entire time i'm sure but he is the most important character in the movie tell me inexplicably cockroach saves his dad and the sullies think that Corich is dead again and he saved him and put him and then hissed at him and ran away and left him to his own devices like there's no tracking of him or his ekron or whatever don't know what he's going to do his entire force is decimated but you can be sure like james cameron that uh, Quaritch is going to come back bigger and stronger and will be relentless in besieging the the sully clan why would he save him that kid is the entire reason that Avatars 3, 4, and 5 exist. Yeah. And I think that Spider was supposed to represent the goodness of the human heart and its ability to extend that kind of mercy. So I think that was an, that was an important for there to be a human that wasn't completely despicable, even if that human hisses and then scampers away back to his knobby life. Right. And he exercises forgiveness when his stepmom caught him all up and he's like, oh, I'm going to come back and be with you now, son for a son. <laughs> I was so relieved, though, when Natiri went all mama bear yep. because she seemed awfully submissive to Jake Sully throughout the film. Very motherly in a not in a weak kind of a way. But she did a lot of ugly crying before she threw down. Yeah, she did in the first one, too. But then she goes all Legolas and kills everybody. It was awesome. Everybody. She goes bonkers. And it's awesome. It's awesome to see her in action. It's an, it's a reminder that they don't exactly play by the rules and they might have some more feral presentations in their pursuit of their own kind of love and belonging. It feels like it's it's appropriate, like it should be that way because we're differentiating them from just blue people. They're not blue people. They're a whole race. That's true. Which, you know, Spider was always there for that size reference and comparison. I mean, you think that he looks scrawny, but have you seen pictures of this actor? He's not a small dude. He's a kid. They're all kids. There's so many kids in this movie. How is he a kid and he didn't age over like four or five years of filming? I don't know. But I do know that for the subsequent movies, they front loaded the kid scenes because some of those kids are going to they're going to age out because we're right. not looking at Avatar 5 until like 2029. Yeah, that's insane. That's a lot of avatars. So will you continue to show up? Will I? I mean, I suppose. I'm I ha I'm on board. I have to be on board for sequels of stuff that I love. I'm going to be first in line for Indiana Jones. Uh, James Cameron, not necessarily one for sequels. This is, in fact, his first sequel in over 30 years. Well, tell me how you do Titanic 2. Right. You, there is another Titanic. Did you know there's a Titanic 2? 
No. Should we review it? <laughs> no. My understanding is it's a recreation of the Titanic as it was. And a madman who's like obsessed with the Titanic tries to sabotage the ship in the same way that the original was. So it's like an action kind of scary slasher movie type. It's like the better version of Cruise Control. Speed yeah, 2 like Cruise that. Control. But Avatar The Way of Water, this is, yeah, this is like Avatar Cruise Control. Uh, speaking of cruise, you need to give me the second Maverick comparison for Avatar. Oh. Um, let's, let's see. What was it? And what did you think about that segue? Yeah, Pretty cheesy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the second comparison to Top Gun Maverick is that this is the first underwater mocap movie. They refused to do, well, they cited Aquaman as a comparison where they called it dry for wet, like day for night. Right. They right, would change right. it. So Aquaman is suspended by wires and they have a fan blowing his hair and it sure looks like he's underwater. Nope. Everybody was in underwater in abyss style tanks wearing, as you said, mocap uh, suits and actual costumes underwater. And as such, yeah. you're kind of alone. Like you can't have PAs and junk on the set and Starbucks when you're in a James Cameron style tank. So like Top Gun Maverick, this one, some of the actors had to turn on their own equipment. And when they're down there, they're responsible for their stuff, kind of like the pilots that went up in Top Gun. They would turn mm -hmm. on their cameras, adjust their makeup, adjust you know, certain things. And sometimes the director had no idea what footage they were getting on these like self-sustaining rigs or these kind of self-activated rigs until they came back. So the kids yeah. and all the actors, they were like manipulating their own equipment. And in that way, just the opposite. Top Gun, you go up and Avatar, the way of water, you go down. And if it was just Avatar, way of water and Top Gun Maverick head to head at the Academy Awards this year, how would you vote? Uh, well, Top Gun, I was never a fan of. I mean, I, it was fine. Sure. Avatar, I was all the way on board. But talk about expectations for uh, not only being the highest grossing movie of all time, which, by the way, it reclaimed with the, the sneaky re-release of Avatar 1 ahead of Avatar <laughs> 2. It overtook, again, Avengers Endgame uh, to be the highest grossing movie of all time. James Cameron just can't settle. It's not possible. He hasn't done a sequel since Terminator 2. With all the expectation, the box office and everything, you can't possibly top Avatar 1. And maybe I'm wrong, but it doesn't look like, based on tracking currently, that that will be the case. It's a perfectly serviceable sequel, but I didn't have the expectation going into Top Gun Maverick. I heard that he was up in a real plane and I was like, that was cool. But I went in and was astonished and I had a great time and I was all thrilled and stuff. And at three hours and 10 minutes, I'm not sure the human body can sustain, sustain thrills for that long. So I was a little bit more winded after this one. Going head to head for personal preference, despite the fact that I've seen Top Gun Maverick so many times and can point out its flaws immediately, I felt like it was a more fun experience. Top Gun Maverick tried really hard, but it didn't try too hard, which in a lot of ways I think that James Cameron just kind of went for broke. And he's not one to succumb under pressure. So he's going to have like one of the most expensive movies ever made, $300 million, 12 years in the making, and he's going to make it about family and cockroach and stuff and he doesn't care i think that uh top gun and maverick was slightly more entertaining come at me bro is that your final vote for top gun maverick yeah my final vote for better for me is just more entertaining because avatar is not going to clean up at the oscars anywhere except 
undoubtedly visual effects. Because Tom Cruise went up in a plane and it's a real plane, but those aren't visual effects. And in fact, the visual effects is kind of the weakest part of Top Gun Maverick. But man, did James Cameron do some immersive water type CGI that made it stunning or whatever. Great to watch. They're definitely visual spectacle driven. But in terms of like building it on the lore and the world of a sequel, like we're very firmly in the same world with Top Gun Maverick, and it really advanced the story into timeline-wise. Avatar Way of Water's advancements were more kind of parallel advancements in a totally different world. And I found myself a number of times while watching Avatar Way of Water thinking to myself, if I wasn't just awed by this, these beauty shots would get really old really fast. Right, that's what I'm saying. It's, it's like watching your Apple TV screensaver. Yes, there was a lot of beauty for beauty's sake, which is really cool the first time around, especially if you're seeing it in IMAX or 3D or both. And yet it intimidates me to set aside the time to watch Avatar Wave Water again. That's a huge commitment for a lot of fluff that I'm going to either want to skip over or I'm going <laughs> to find kind of tedious. This felt very much, you called it a little while ago, uh, the second episode of Avatar, and that feels super apropos, just because I felt like they set up a lot of stuff they were encouraged to know wasn't going to be have to be wrapped up in a bow. Who was Kiri's father? Did we ever find that out? Why? What was the source or the or the purpose of her power? Right? Why, why, why did Cockroach save his dad, and what's their relationship going to be like moving forward? Is there going to be some... Or the other mystery? Why do you insist on calling him cockroach? I don't know. Um, it, it wasn't really implicitly stated that Quaritch was his dad at the top. It just said, like, some people couldn't go back. They had to stay because we're too young to go into cryopods, dumbass, or whatever. And I don't remember them clearly setting that up. And they had to show him semi-naked in a diaper so that we can make the direct connection <laughs> to <Right>? the spider. <laughs> because he never outgrew that outfit. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> it, was, it was a lot. It was sprawling. It was the Empire Strikes Back. And there's going to be, for sure, an Avatar 3. And, and I'm sure that he'll show up again because they got to get him before Ooh. he starts to look too old. Spider. But I think safe to say a technical achievement, maybe even an achievement or an advancement of what, how we approach franchises, doubling down on the world building, a serviceable story, some really spectacular set pieces and an amalgamation of all of the passions and strengths of James Cameron, who we've exhaustively covered here at Or Whatever Movies, including our James Cameron month this past July leading up to the release of Avatar Way of Water. And so the moment of truth has come. What is your final rating of Avatar Way of Water? We've seen Pandora, we've seen Avatar, and I know what it is. Great, it's all family and stuff, but I was definitely looking for the technical achievement. I can't imagine what it was like to film a movie of that scale underwater. It just seems so complicated and vast in a way that only James Cameron can do, but that only goes so far. I, I was looking for the memorable moment, the unforgettable moment in the way of water. And while the Titanic level fighting on the deck of the burning ship video game style action sequence at the end was definitely impressive. And I'm not sure how memorable it was. What was the, the great fantastic moment, like the first riding of the Ikron in the first one or the fa the felling of home tree? I don't know. 
I was happy with the with the visual spectacle. I do think this needs to be seen in the theater. Who knows how it will bear repeat viewing. So for that reason, is it the greatest movie I've ever seen? No, but it maybe looks the coolest on screen, at least for the first viewing, uh, or at least as immersive. So I'm going to give Avatar The Way of Water a solid all right rating, if for nothing else, technical achievement. I think you're being a little stingy. Does this movie have to be seen? Yeah. And everyone is going to see this movie, whether within the next week or the next month or the next year or on Disney Plus. Everyone is going to see this movie. And so there you have it. A, an all right from Wes, a good from Iris. And that is our discussion on James Cameron's Avatar Way of Water. Let us know what you think. 818-835-0473 or whatever movies at gmail.com. We're wishing you a great 2023. Thank you for listening and we'll see you next time. Have you ever wondered what actually happens in Congress every day? Stay informed on Capitol Hill's daily happenings with a concise, factual summary of the Senate and House of Representatives activities from the previous session, free from bias, on the Congressional Record Daily Digest podcast. Subscribe on your favorite podcast platform and discover the process from the heart of U.S. politics. The Congressional Record Daily Digest, an electric cast production. Hey there, fabulous souls. I'm Stephanie Baklaan. And I'm Eden Alpert. And we're the hosts of the brand new podcast, Unapologetically Fab. Get ready to join us on an amazing and real journey as we dive into life after 40 and own it. We're all about changing the narrative, leaning into who you are, and living a life by your own design. Join us as we embrace life unapologetically and redefine success. This is Unapologetically Fab. An electric cast production. See you there. Electric acid. Electric acid.